Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hands Down DFS podcast. You're listening to our first episode of our Showdown Slate Quick Hits podcast. This is a new podcast we're going to be doing. Just a quick 10, 15-minute breakdown of our Showdown Slates. Uh, we'll try to have these out for, for all Showdown Slates, all the primetime ones at least. Or in, in this case, we're starting with the Ravens and Steelers game, a, you know, a Wednesday afternoon game. Um, I yeah, just want to give you guys a quick look into the showdown slate, who we like, who we don't like, what we think of the script will be, script of the game will be, and uh, give you our thoughts. So, as I mentioned, this Steelers and Ravens game, you know, hasn't even started yet. Recording this on Tuesday night, it's set to start Wednesday at 3.40 p.m. Already, hasn't even started, is already probably the craziest game of Week 12. Um, it's been delayed more times than I can count. Uh, players coming in, going out with COVID-related illnesses. Uh, it's hard to keep track of. So first things first, be just be checking the news Wednesday because I'm sure things will change. I'm sure people will be activated. People will be inactive and, you know, just be, be ready to stay on your toes to get those lineups set. But we'll start with what we know, um, which is who's out, who's in. Lamar Jackson, uh, he's out with COVID. RG3 will be starting in place of him. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins were both uh, out with COVID originally, uh, are eligible to be activated by Wednesday. At this moment, they have not, but I see no reason why they won't be. I'm sure, you know, Wednesday morning, they should be active. I'm going into this assuming they'll be playing. Mark Andrews is out. Nick Boyle, obviously, we know, is put on IR. Uh, The Ravens are basically tight end list. They brought in a couple guys, uh, a couple guys to try to fill in the role. But nobody is going to be a clear standout at the tight end spot. Uh, Willie Sneed was avid, added to the COVID reserve list, which means we're down to uh, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Newt Des Bryant, you know, his second game with the Ravens. Those will be your three guys starting for Baltimore. And then, you know, just all around uh, non-skill position, non-DFS guys, a uh, couple guys on the Ravens offensive line are out with COVID. Kalias Campbell's a big a guy on the defensive side of things out with COVID. Matthew Judon, linebacker, out with COVID. So this Baltimore trading is just decimated uh, with, you know, just injuries and COVID reserve lists. So it, it's it's going to be hard for them. In my, I can't imagine they stay in this game. Uh, the CO side, they've got James Conner out on the COVID list. That's the only real news to speak of. Benny Snell will step up into that that uh, starting running back role, which he has done this year. So I don't think that will be too much of an issue for them. Obviously, losing James Conner will be a big shock, big change. But I, I think Benny Snell can definitely fill in the role. So let's look at uh, look at some of these pricing on the showdown slate. And I'll, I'll just start from the top and work our way down. And, you know, starting at the top, we got Big Ben Roethlisberger. Um, he is my number one player on the slate. Obviously, he's the highest price. I love him at captain or in the flex. If you want to uh, go GPP, you're probably playing him in your flex. But, I mean, his price is not as high as it should be considering he's without his starting running back and the Ravens defense. You know, their secondary is still there. Cornerbacks and safety are healthy, but that pass rush isn't going to be there. Big Ben will have all the time in the world, and he has, you know – three of the best, probably one of the best all-around receiving cores in the league in uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington. And then, you know, obviously he had Connor coming out of the backfield. Now that will be Benny Snell. But still, Ben Roethlisberger is just in a smash spot. I think he's too cheap. 
and then we go down to his receivers. And the big question here, you obviously can't play all three of the guys uh, in Johnson, Claypool, and Smith-Juicer. you got to pick and choose. You're probably playing one, may, if you're putting Big Ben in the lineup, probably one. If you're not playing Ben Roethlisberger, maybe you're putting two in. But, you know, who is it of these three? Uh, Claypool, in my opinion, has an easier matchup against Marcus Peters. He's got a four-inch height advantage. Meanwhile, Deontay Johnson's going against Jimmy Smith. But, you know, we know Johnson... Yeah, in the past three games, he's hit and gotten over 10 targets, you know, getting up to 16. Uh, he's just been, you know, receiving all of Big Ben's targets. But Claypool, again, easier matchup. He also receives more looks in the red zone. Him and Smith-Schuster, along with Eric Ebron, um, are receiving most of Ben Roethlisberger's uh, red zone looks. So I'm leaning more toward, towards Chase Claypool if I'm playing him in my captain spot. I think Deontay Johnson is probably a, a safe cash play. Uh, don't mind playing him at all. I think both of them will be, you know, obviously will be in my player pool. Will I put him in the same lineup? Again, probably, I'm just probably choosing one of those guys if I'm putting Ben Roethlisberger in there. Uh, if I'm not, I'm probably trying to fit both of those guys in because them two combined should probably probably make up at least 40%, maybe closer to 50% of the targets in the game. Smith-Schuster is a bigger question mark. You know, he doesn't have the volume that the other guys do. He maybe gets six targets per se, six, seven around there, you know, he can get as low as three or four. Uh, he's definitely a GPP only play. I'm not playing him at cash games at all. You know, I'll probably throw him into a lineup at his price uh, in, you know, in the flex spot. I'm not playing him as captain, but at 9,600 in the flex, you know, you put him in there and you hope in out of his five catches he gets, maybe two of them are touchdowns. He'll absolutely be in the optimal lineup at that point. Absolutely be in the, you know, the Millie maker number one lineup. So I, I, I'll play him in that hope, but I, I know he's not going to get there on volume alone. Um, and I, you know, like I mentioned before, even though this Baltimore defense is banged up, their secondary is still there. So he won't have the easiest time getting that done. So don't like him in the captain spot. I prefer him in a flex in GPP lineups. Um, Benny Snell has to be, you know, has to be considered. He is the number one running back now. And he, you know, we saw him, he, he took over the role when James Conner was, uh, injured earlier in the season and while he when he was starting he wasn't that productive we saw as a backup he was able to you know be very productive getting 113 yards in his first game of the season as a backup um, replacing James Conner you know partway through that game as he got injured he you know Baltimore I said this you know four times now but their defensive line and their linebacking core is going to be short to three guys I think um so I think Benny Snell is definitely someone that, you know, can have can break break off big plays. Uh, I don't love him as a captain. I think he's more of a flex play, and I think he's a little bit more expensive for a skill level. But I'm sure he will get the volume, which makes me, you know, think he's definitely in consideration to play. Uh, RJ three. What do we do with him? Uh, he's losing Mark Andrews. He's losing Willie Sneed. Uh, you know, short on pass catchers, but he is a guy that, you know, in his time as a rookie, he was running the ball, you know, around eight times a game. So, you know, even though he may not, may not have the throwing ability that Lamar Jackson does, he's still, if he's going to keep up that same momentum that he had, you know, his first two years in the league, if he's going to be rushing the ball eight times, uh, he, he does have upside and it's upside you have to consider considering he's, 
you know, the one, two, three, you know, like the eighth highest priced guy on this slate as the starting quarterback for Baltimore. Going down to the Steelers defense, uh, I love the Steelers defense here. I don't care that they're priced at 7,800. Like, that's a ridiculous price for a defense on the showdown slate. But Baltimore had, RJ3 will likely throw, will likely turn the ball over at least once, if not twice or three times. You know, he hasn't played in a while, played significantly in a while, I should say. Um, I, I see interception in his future. I see, you know, fumbles if he doesn't protect the ball in his future. I think Pittsburgh, you know, alone, sh- sh- it, they should not, with as good of a defense that they have, they should not be letting Baltimore, sc- Baltimore score more than two touchdowns in this game. So if they're keeping Baltimore to under 14 points and get a turnover or two, they'll probably also, they've got a great defensive line. They'll probably get another sack or two with, like I mentioned, two guys on the Ravens offensive front. Uh, they're out. So they'll probably add in a couple sacks in there. I think they've got a they've got a very safe floor and also probably you know probably a twenty point ceiling if you're giving them five sacks or so and they can hold them to ten points. So I, I like the Steelers defense. And then we get in the question of the Baltimore running backs. What do we do with them? Uh, as always, as every week with Baltimore, all of the running backs are in play because they just use a running back by committee. Um, J.K. Dobbins is the most expensive, and he should be. He uh, leads you know, leads the backfield in snap counts the past three weeks. Uh, in week 11, he was in at about 60%. But at the same time, uh, on the season, him and Gus Edwards, and you know, this is this is lean more towards Dobbins, you know, recently the past few weeks, but him and Gus Edwards are about equal in touches per game. Both have about nine touches a game. And Gus Edwards has been productive with his touches. So I think this is a spot where you can and, you know, maybe should be playing, you know, two out of the three Ravens, Ravens running backs considering they have their backup quarter their backup uh, yeah backup quarterback they're down a receiver down two tight ends it's going to be a run heavy game for a team that was already run run heavy to begin with so I think you know if you're ranking them I think the price that they come at Dobbins Edwards Ingram even including the value that they bring I think that's that that's the order that you want to play them in if you're playing two of these guys Dobbins has to be one of them you can't play Edwards Ingram you know maybe Dobbins Ingram or maybe Dobbins Edwards if you can do that but you know you you definitely want Dobbins in there because he's going to be the highest that he's going to be on the field the most uh Eric Ebron's been a staple for Big Ben in the red zone at least and he's he's just been a staple all around he's targeted about six times a game and he's very consistently seen that game in or week in week out and the you know the best part is you're getting probably a third of his targets one or two a game are coming in the red zone so he brings that touchdown upside. Uh, love him here. I, I mean, I love this whole uh, Steelers pass offense because, you know, they've been, you know, he, he's obviously capable of throwing the ball. So love him here. Uh, the, we look towards the Ravens wide receivers. Marquise Brown is the only healthy, I'd say, consistent wide receiver, uh, the one that sees, sees consistent targets. But, I mean, you can throw consistency out the window this game with Lamar Jackson gone. How is RG3 going to you know, go into play his first game as a starter in a while? Uh, I think this is a game where you might be able to, you know, Marquise Brown will likely be the highest owned Baltimore wide receiver because he's the wide receiver one. But, you know, with a new guy coming in, maybe you take a chance and load up, go like go heavy on Des Bryant or go heavy on, uh, you know, someone that people don't expect. Uh, Des Bryant... Duvernay, Devin Duvernay, 
Um, I think you can load up on a couple of these guys and just hope that RG3 kind of mixes it up from what Lamar Jackson was seeing. Um, so I, I don't love Hollywood Brown. I, I think he might be a cash game play because he's, you know, the number one receiver on the team and he is cheap. But I think if you're trying to win a lot of money, trying to win the GPP, you kind of fade him and you go towards these lower own guys. Um, Des Bryant came in his first game with Baltimore in week 11 and basically immediately was impactful in the offense. I think he had uh, four catches on five targets, if I remember correctly. Uh, four catches on five targets, only 28 yards. But if you're seeing that volume at 4,800 for five targets, I mean, we know that what Des Bryant is capable of. He can definitely, you know, definitely pay off his salary. And I, I think that kind of – I draw the line there. Um, uh, kickers, you know, you can play kickers. That's fine, especially Pittsburgh. If they're going to score a bunch, um, you'll at least get extra points out of the ball as well. But I, I think about there is what, where you kind of make the cutoff of calling – quote-unquote safe plays, uh, guys that see significant volume in the offense, and then you start getting into some of these dart throws. And I don't really love any of the dart throws this week. I mean, I, I mentioned you can take a chance on any of these Baltimore pass catchers and hope that they do something. Boykin, for example, could be a guy that maybe breaks out a big touchdown and at 1,800 it ends up being a good play. But I, I think the only guy down here I am you know, even think is – worth considering is maybe Vance McDonald only because, you know, he, he does receive a target or two every game. And if that happens to be in the red zone, because we see with Ebron, Big Ben likes throwing the tight ends in the red zone. If Vance McDonald catches one, uh, you know, at next to nothing, $400 in price, he'll pay off his salary. Uh, the tight end spot is weird for Baltimore because they brought in Luke Wilson and Eric Tomlinson. And Tomlinson's the only of the, the the only of those two guys that are on the slate. For some reason, Luke Wilson isn't. I guess because he was a late ad after they already made the pricing. But Luke Wilson will definitely have more of an impact in the offense just because he has significant NFL playtime. He spent seven years on the uh, Seahawks acting as a backup tight end, and you know was getting uh, a couple, a few, two to three targets a game. So he definitely has significant NFL experience. Whereas Tomlinson, you know doesn't quite have that. So I don't think I don't think you play any of these tight ends for Baltimore, even with Andrews and Boyle out. I think you I, – I mean, honestly, I think you fade the Baltimore passing offense and just load up on running backs. But if you do want to go Baltimore pass offense, I think maybe Des Bryant's the way to go. So that'll wrap up our uh, quick hits for this Baltimore-Pittsburgh uh, Steelers Wednesday afternoon football slate. We'll have an article out for it to kind of complement this podcast. Let us know what you think. Shoot us a message, a DM on Twitter, uh, follow us on Twitter, if, you know, comment on Reddit if you find this that way. Uh, just let us know what you think about these, if they're helpful, and uh, we'll try to keep, have these keep, keep putting these out for each showdown slate. Thanks, and talk to you guys next time.